Hey, what's up? You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show podcast. Thanks for checking it out, and make sure you subscribed. And we're back. The Hammer and Nigel Show. It is the Hammer and Nigel Show. I'm Jason Hammer, and let's go to the DriveHubler.com hotline and bring on Tony Kennett, Chalkboard Review. Tony was a longtime educator here in Indianapolis, STEM educator with IPS. Tony, we got a number of places we can start here, but I saw that you retweeted someone that said that boys are struggling in school and we need more male teachers. I'm going to need you to explain what you mean by this. So the guy who tweeted that is actually the co-founder of Chalkboard Review, Daniel Buck. He's a fellow at Fordham Institute, really solid guy for education stuff. You can find him over at chalkboardreview.com. What he's talking about there is this uh, increased amount of disengagement and also uh, a lot of aggressive behavior that's coming forward out of a lot of young men in our schools. And what we've seen throughout history is that anytime the young uh, men father figures are taken away or not present in the homes and in the lives of young men, they have a much harder time adapting, a much more difficult time growing. Psychologically, the results that we've seen is when there is not a strong father figure in a young man's life, that it is much more difficult for the individual to develop. And this is one of the reasons why, by the way, in the 20th century, that there was such a push for young men to do a time in the U.S. military, is that you would get a heavy dose of that uh, aggressive father figure action from your drill sergeant and your officers. At least this was one of the pitches made during World War One and Two, which is really interesting. And I am one of the people who thinks uh, that, which is why I retweeted it, that there need to be more men in schools, in the classroom, because that father figure aspect is so needed. And it's some. there are some things that men are better at addressing. There are some things women are better at addressing. Um, and th- th- that's not a bad thing to say, that naturally there are some differences between men and women. And we can't, as a society, forsake the importance of men in a child's life. Now, when you say you need men to almost be that de facto father figure, you're talking about predominantly from a discipline angle in the classroom, not some of these videos that we've seen coming from, you know, Project Veritas or whatnot, where these teachers, male or female for that matter, are talking about their sex lives, they're talking about their love lives, they're talking about a lot of things that are probably inappropriate to talk about in a classroom. I'm really glad that you brought that up because this is a very important distinction to make. There is a much bigger difference between being the uh, the parent in place, which is not what I'm saying here by father figure. There are a lot of people in my life growing up that were father figures to me. That didn't mean that I shared intimate secrets with them that maybe I might only share with my own mother and father. No, this means a role model, a strong role model that you would look up to, that you would say this individual is responsible. They care for their family. They care for my local community, and in the child's case being the classroom. And they also take on this personal responsibility to the betterment of those around him and the greater community at large. Dr. Jordan Peterson talks about this at length, and we've seen through a lot of psychoanalysis studies in the later half of the 20th century that taking away strong male role models out of society by labeling them toxic masculinity, as I know you love to uh, (laughs) embrace, uh, by labeling it toxic masculinity, we are ripping away the 
growth opportunities of young men in our society. And that's why they're struggling or one of the reasons why they're struggling so much in our modern school system. And and this may be a, a silly question. I have kids in school. I know they've never had any classroom activity, classroom teachings about this. But in Indiana and I guess around the country, do they still teach sex ed? Is that still a thing that happens? Oh, yeah. I mean, starting in fifth grade, you know, they still in a lot of schools, they sit everyone down and that you watch the video on puberty and whatever. And then, of course, health classes do touch on the reproductive system. And of course, sex ed comes in in eighth grade. And then, of course, we talk about it a little bit in biology class. I, I did when I was at Lawrence North, although I always tried to be extremely uh, careful in how I did so, so that I didn't step on the rights of the parent to talk about certain things with their kids. That is the parent's right, in my view. And then, of course, you have anatomy and physiology. So, yeah, it's definitely still taught in schools. Um, it's not taught properly very much anymore because there's such a political appeal to changing the definitions of good sex education uh, to meaning, well, you should actually ignore biology to talk about all of these genders and weird sexual activities and how to pleasure yourself. That's not good sex ed. No, no. And this brings us to the story in the UK. And that's a great segue. Thank you for that, Tony. Uh, oh, a, a six-year-old boy in the UK has been labeled transphobic by his school. He's six years old. He's been labeled transphobic because he doesn't understand uh, all of these different genders that are being thrown at him. He has a hard time understanding this. This is a story coming out of England, and the school has labeled him transphobic, and now his parents are lawyering up. Your thoughts on this? Well, they very much should be lawyering up because if you don't fight this, you're in you're endearing yourself to the hell to which we're, you know, joining in as a society. And Western civilization is facing this. When you start putting all of these horrific terminologies of moral pressure upon children at a young age where you're going to label them as evil for responding naturally to biological situations, and you're suggesting that children are infinitely evil or horrible because uh, the boy thinks that girls are girls and boys are boys, you are creating something far worse than could be possible. If you push someone far enough, they will respond in kind. And what I don't want to see over the next couple of decades in the United States and in Western civilization abroad is progressives push conservatives, libertarians, regular individuals far and farther and farthest until you start to get pushback that is uh, – far beyond what might be necessary. And so this is a, honestly what this brings to me is a true sense of terror because it is destroying the very fabric of society by sacrificing children at the altar of politics. And it's a very dangerous precedent to set because it does cause incredible political and societal upheaval. And in case somebody's listening that's getting their panties in a wad, well, did you hear what they said on the Hammer and Nigel show? When you say fight back, when people like me say fight back, we're not talking about going into a back alley and hitting somebody with your fist. We're talking about going to the school board meetings, letting your opinions be heard, voting, researching. That's how you fight back. Yes. And, and this again, this is actually the point of the last couple of statements that I made, because if you do not at this point start to recognize that you have a responsibility as a citizen of a republic to be informed, to vote, to seek out the best candidates and to stop these kind of garbage policies that are taxpayer funded, then you are going to let 
the progressives push and push and push until people end up reacting violently, which is what I want to avoid. I don't want to see parents pushed and pushed and pushed until their children are ripped out of their homes, which is what one Virginia group is advocating, ripping students who claim to be LGBTQ out of parents' homes and placed with, quote unquote, gay affirming parents. That is going to lead to violent situations. So please, I, my, I beg and I plead with the American public, take this seriously and put the right people in office and, and wake up as a society before people start resorting to horrible means that we should never, ever have to encounter. Tony Kennett with us. Tony from Chalkboard Review. Uh, he's going to be filling in for Nigel tomorrow uh, on this program, so we're going to have a good time tomorrow. Hey, one more thing before I let you go. And, again, this was a big news story that came out late in the afternoon yesterday. It looks like Elon Musk is going to move forward with this purchase of Twitter whether he wants to or not, he's moving forward with the purchase. And I want to get your thoughts on that. I love it. I love it because, number one, it makes all of the individuals who count on uh, social media manipulation, which has been uh, exposed repeatedly by whistleblowers on the inside of Twitter, as well as Facebook, Instagram, and other social media networks like Reddit. And that kind of manipulation does have a massive impact on things like elections. And now that that is threatened, you see a lot of people on the left that are having an absolute conniption. So first of all, that's funny. It's always funny to watch someone who had an unfair advantage get that advantage taken away from them. Number two, on the libertarian side of things, I love to see something more privatized, not by some large, awkward, you know, shiftless mass of, of individuals, but by a guy who, quite frankly, as far as business terms are concerned, I respect. I, As a person, I respect the decision to move forward with the deal. And then finally, especially because, you know, Twitter is where news breaks, I look forward to seeing an algorithm treating all individuals equally, meaning that the journalist who puts forward a good story will be more likely to get that story seen rather than if you're some random blue check verified MSNBC reporter with 300 followers, and then they'll amplify that story all the kingdom come. So I am really looking forward to the fairness aspect returning because Twitter, I hate to break it to a lot of people. It's not going to be replaced with Truth Social or with Getter or with Parler or with Gab or with Telegram or any of the other networks. They just don't have the mass that Twitter does. Twitter has replaced cable news in a lot of society as where news breaks. If anybody wants to read more of your work with Chalkboard Review or just to reach out to you individually with questions, what can they do? They should head over to chalkboardreview.com. We have a lot of great resources there. There's also a way that you can get in touch and contact us. Uh, if you are a sadist and you just absolutely hate <laughs> spending your time wisely, you can follow me on Twitter at the Tonus, and my DMs are open. So if you know you want to tell me that you have a really great Rice Krispies recipe to share, yeah, drop it in. And you'll be with me tomorrow, and we will bring toxic masculinity to the airwaves, three to seven p.m., my friend. Oh, I'll bring my dumbbells into the studio. You got it. <laughs> Tony, thank you. Hey, thanks so much. Really enjoy doing this, man. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Be sure to catch us every weekday, 3 to 7 on 93 WIBC, or subscribe and get it right to your phone.